Friends, this fall, we are navigating stories of grace and the gospel of Luke. And we embark from a mountaintop moment with Peter and John and James in chapter 9 to a Samaritan village where things do not go so well, and then to another village, and then a road, and then there is another road, and then they pass through a certain village, and then they go through a Pharisee's house, and another house, and then a synagogue. Jesus is traveling all over the place, town by town, village by village, making his way to Jerusalem. And so this morning, we find ourselves journeying with Jesus and the gang on a southern trek from Galilee as he's turned his head to Jerusalem with a clear intent. This entire journey from Galilee down to Jerusalem would take 85 miles, and in the Gospel of Luke, it takes 10 chapters. This morning, our text is in the Gospel of Luke. It's in chapter 17, and it's verses 11 through 19. Let's listen for the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. May God bless the holy hearing and speaking of God's word. Amen. So there was a clear and definite plan. There was an agenda, an end goal, an ultimate destination. They all had somewhere to be. Of course, Jesus needed to get to Jerusalem, but what about Peter and Matthew and John and Judas? What about Mary Magdalene and the other disciples? They all had lives. They all had plans. And what about every exiled man standing out there in the middle of nowhere? They had gifts and hopes and dreams and plans. At some point, they had hopes for a healthy family or parenthood or college or a successful career or retirement or a loving relationship. But as one scholar asks, if their goal was to get somewhere, how in the world did they end up in the middle of nowhere? Trust me, I love Jesus as much as the next preacher, but the man must have been directionally challenged. I have lost my way in almost every major city in America and several parts of Europe and even Africa, and so I do understand the gifts of taking the long road. But at some point, you just want to get there already. Directionally challenged or not, if you follow Jesus, then you can expect a few detours along the way. The last time this group tried to make their way through Samaria, it did not go so well. All hell broke loose. 
So sure enough, here they are skirting the edges. Not quite Samaria, not quite Palestine. No man's land in between. And we all know some borders are invisible and others are not. And we also know that life can be more challenging on the edges of things. Border living, you see, is about surviving. It's isolating, and it can be dangerous. On the edges of an urban city, there are food deserts, or floodplains, or hostile living conditions, or poverty. On the edges of a state in rural America, there are plenty of opioids, but very few doctors and mental health facilities and quality schools. Presbyterian churches in small communities struggle to find pastors and faith community leaders. You see, on the edges of life and death, on the edges of health and wellness, on the edges of being popular or fitting in, we all end up on the edge at some point in our life for all sorts of reasons. There is, however, in this version of the story, a village who knows what sort of folks live out there, out of bounds in limbo. But Jesus and the crew are passing through, and not one, but ten lepers call out asking for help. Now, I must share a few facts about leprosy back in the day. First of all, leprosy back then was not like modern leprosy today, which is actually called Hansen's disease. Number two, According to the Old Testament book of Leviticus, the disease caused a white rash or swelling that spread. It could turn the body hair white, and it could or could not cause itching. It just depends. Scholars agree that symptoms could be contagious and dangerous, but they arose from a variety of causes, many of which were mild, like eczema. Number three. Although Leviticus does not assume all lepers are cursed or sinners, quarantining and distance was still required to prevent spreading. So the issue was not necessarily the disease itself, but the diagnosis technically made the sufferer unclean. Unclean beyond normal uncleanliness. You see, folks like Peter and John and James and Judas and Mary and Jesus... They experienced uncleanliness due to ordinary life all the time. Anything related to reproduction or childbirth for both men and women, touching a corpse, touching someone else who has been deemed unclean, all of those things were of issue. And those things could normally be handled privately within a day without charge simply by immersing oneself in a ritual bath and then waiting for the sun to set. Leprosy, not so much. To quote Leviticus, lepers were instructed to wear torn clothes, leave their hair messy. Lots of teenage boys would be good at that. They were required to cover their upper lips and cry out, unclean, unclean. They were required to live alone, outside the camp. In other words, Anyone infected with leprosy must quarantine and cover their mouths and give fair warning of their condition to others they may encounter until they could prove they were healed. Yes, it was a matter of public health, but society also took it upon themselves to judge and shame one another as a result. Sound familiar? In order to be declared clean, 
one had to come up with two doves, a local priest, and take a trip all the way down to Jerusalem for a sacrifice in the temple. And let's be honest, at this point, all of that would seem impossible to the lepers. And so they waited for the impossible to happen, to pass inspection, to be deemed acceptable, to be made well. Who knows how they all ended up out there or how long they'd been there. We have no idea who they were. Each of them, though, had a family. Each of them had a life before their crisis. Each of them would have done anything to be healed. They just wanted access to their lives again. They wanted to feel safe and accepted. They wanted to go home or find a home. They wanted to belong. No man's land. The wilderness, exile, the border. That's nobody's final destination. But 10 of them were there. It wasn't their plan. No one chooses to be out there. No one chooses infertility. No one chooses chemo or rejection or addiction or homelessness. No one wants to walk thousands of miles across a wasteland with no guarantee of safety on the other side. No one hopes to be dehumanized because they are refugees or homeless. No one hopes for an identity crisis or debilitating insecurity or loneliness or grief. No one chooses to be exhausted by the realities of hate. No one plans to leave their spouse the day they get married. No one plans for the market to crash. No one seeks out to fail. No one wants to get fired or plans to flip the car. No one really went out of their way to get leprosy. So we don't know who they were or where they got it or even how they worshiped or what sort of circumstances led to their exile. But they were there because somebody somewhere told them they were not allowed. They were not welcome. They were not safe. They were not okay. They could not belong. They were dirty or bad or weak. Now, maybe they were seriously contagious or maybe they had eczema. We don't know that either. But the impact on their lives and their spirits was exactly the same regardless. Samaritans and Jews and city folk and country folk and old people and young people, the lepers were a diverse bunch united by their suffering, and all ten were willing to do just about anything to be healed. All ten respected Jesus, but they were not necessarily disciples. All ten followed the law and kept their distance. All ten met Jesus face to face, out there in the middle of nowhere, where all hope was all but lost. All ten, without fanfare or party tricks or even a declaration of faith, were healed. They were not healed because they believed in Jesus. Because our salvation is by God's grace alone. Without even realizing it, they were healed. All ten of them. All ten of them were told to head on out of there and find their local priest to begin the process of reentry, and none of them were off to the races. As Richard Vinson puts it, they simply melt back into the world. Jesus just left when he came into the liminal region. We can't see them, and they can't see Jesus. And Jesus doesn't chase them down or judge them or rebuke them. 
None of them are cleansed. None of them are able to reclaim their lives. But only one of them is made whole. Only one of them turns back. One drops to his knees in gratitude to Jesus. One decides that he does not want to fade back into the landscape of his old life. Only one even though he was an outsider, or perhaps because he was an outsider, comes back to stand with Jesus in this borderland. Only one understands that following Christ through the windy paths of wastelands of life is far more life-giving and joyful than whatever he had going in his old life. Yes, he had suffered, but in Christ he had been made whole, He is forever changed. And now, rather than being the outsider, the broken one, the unclean one, the Samaritan, the leper, the double outcast, he is the blessed one by which all others are judged. People ask me sometimes, or maybe I'm just thinking about it a lot, what does it mean to be Christian these days? What does it mean to be the church Isn't this what we do? Isn't this who we are? Isn't this story our story? Isn't this the story we need to share with Damon and Jordan? Isn't our job to find folks living on the edge of things and to have the courage to stand there with them in limbo for as long as it takes so that they can see us standing with them and we can see them standing They're beside us, and our agendas will wait, and our plans will wait, and our strategic plans, sometimes they have to wait. God is at work in the world. Do not give up. Jesus is on the way. Amen. Will you pray with me? Ever-present God, you meet us in the borderlands, in places neither here nor there, at times when we are well out of our comfort zone. Even when we don't know where we're going, when we feel the most lost, you are there. And for that, we thank you, God. You meet, meet each of us where we are and many of us in our need. It was in the borderlands that Jesus met a band of lepers whose livelihood was begging whose status was untouchable and touched their lives with hope. And it was the Samaritan, the one most of all an outsider, who turned back to give thanks. And so, God, we thank you for all we can learn from our siblings who live on the edge about gratitude and grace and healing hope. God of compassion, we remember before you the the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, victims of war, injustice, and inhumanity, and all others who suffer from whatever their sufferings may be called. O God, creator, we pray for all nations and peoples. We pray that you take away the mistrust and lack of understanding that divide your creatures. Increase in us the recognition that we are all your children. And God, we ask that you look upon your church in its struggle upon the earth. 
Have mercy on its weakness, bring to an end its unhappy divisions, and scatter its fears. Author of grace and God of love, send your Holy Spirit's blessing to your children here. Keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, our only Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as the grace of Jesus Christ has been poured out for us, let us now pour out our lives for others, offering our gifts and ourselves to God.
join me in the prayer of dedication found in your bulletin. Lord, your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. Multiply and use these gifts of our time, talent, and treasure, that through them your compassion may be known. Amen. We'll now sing together hymn 772. every step of the way. You are known and you are loved this day. Amen. Amen. 